welcome to Engage Boise. We hope that you enjoy this live recording of our Sunday service. This morning, we're going to finish 2023 by wrapping up our time uh, for the time being in the Psalms. Uh, we've been calling this series Thanksgiving in the Psalms, but Thanksgiving is past and Christmas is past, so obviously this is just a bonus week of the Psalms. Kind of a follow-up to what we talked about the week of Christmas, which was uh, joy, capital J-O-Y, two exclamation points. Not just like lowercase boring joy, but big joy. Thank you, uh, by the way, to all of you who came out Sunday morning or Sunday night. Uh, talked to a few of you about it. By doing the morning and the night, we kind of avoided having the big crowd in either one of those. Uh, we had people to respond, respond to the gospel at both services, both in the morning and at night, and that was the goal. That's the whole reason we did what we did on Christmas Eve. I can tell you, if we would have just done Sunday morning, it would have been probably more crowded than a lot of you would have been comfortable with. Um, so I'm glad that we did both and uh, continued that tradition of doing candlelight communion uh, on the 24th in the evening, which we'll continue to do. So thanks for being a part of it, participating and celebrating what Jesus has done. Uh, I'm kind of hoping to keep it a little bit lighthearted today, honor the fact that you came to church on New Year's Eve, get you home uh, for your, uh, whatever you're doing today, playing games, watching football, whatever it might be. We're talking today about the reason for the noise, reason for the noise. I'm sure all of you have been in a situation where you are sleeping and there's some sort of racket that wakes you up. If you've got kids, it's probably happened to you pretty recently. Maybe kids or dogs, I guess. You know, usually you get woke up by one of those. Now, when something happens in the night, you're fast asleep, something happens in the night, and you hear a noise, you hear a racket, you have two choices. Choice number one is you can lay there and hope that it goes away. Hope nothing bad's actually happening, and in the morning you won't have a disaster to wake up to. Or you can get up and see what's going on. Now, if you're like me, what you usually do is you try option number one first. You hear the racket and you think, you know what, I'm just going to lay here for a minute. See if whatever this noise is goes away. As long as it's not obviously an emergency, right? Uh, I've talked to you before about uh, both of our dogs. We have a Border Collie, Rudy, and a Golden Retriever named Fan. Rudy we've had for a while. And Rudy we specifically got because we wanted a dog that would bark if something strange was going on outside. You know, if someone, the mailman came up the walkway or whatever, we wanted the dog that would bark. We had a different golden retriever at the time. Wonderful dog, but so kind and gentle, he just would not bark no matter what was going on outside. So we wanted a dog that would alert us if something weird was going on outside, right? That's, uh, he's very nice, but a dog that would alert us if something was going on. And I tell you what, when we got this dog, Rudy, we got more than we bargained for. This dude can bark. <laughs> And uh, he was so good at this job. I mean, people would come home. He still is so good at this job. People would come home three doors down, you know, late at night, and they'd pull in and open their car door, and he would start barking. And uh, I got, you know, pretty used to having to go downstairs, open the door. I have contacts, so I don't, I don't usually wear my glasses on Sunday, so a lot of you don't know. But I have contacts, so my contacts are out. Stumble down the stairs, open the door. Make sure everything's fine. Tell him, calm down, dog. Sometimes I would even have to, like, hold his collar and let him peer out the door and see if there was any bad guys out there. One time, I kid you not, uh, he was barking up a storm, and I went down there, and I opened the door, and there was a two-year-old girl, like, there at 1 o'clock in the morning, just standing there. And uh, he, he was right. He was barking the whole time, and this girl had, had something to do with the people next door, and they were leaving, and 
for the night or something. And this this girl had, you know, on the way to the car, mom and dad went in and she was wandering out in front of our house. But there was a night when uh, it was a, a Saturday night. I was getting ready for church. Uh, well, what I tried to go to bed early on Saturday nights, and uh, it was Snowmageddon year, the uh, famous Snowmageddon year. And in our subdivision out in Cune, I don't know about yours, but our subdivision was not prepared for Snowmageddon. I enjoyed Snowmageddon immensely. I love the snow. I love the challenge. I love all of it. So uh, on our street, eventually, as those storms kept coming in, if you lived here at the time, you know we just got way more snow than we expected. And on our street, somebody on our street just hired a guy with a skid steer, big giant skid steer. Never forget, I was out there talking on the phone, just reveling in the snow falling, and this skid steer comes around the corner. And this guy obviously has not plowed a lot of snow before, and he just starts shoving snow every which way. People's yards, side of the road, just wherever he can get it so people can get up and down the road. A lot of places uh, in CUNA, they didn't get it plowed, and it was just impassable for weeks. But ours, this guy came, and he just started moving snow all over the place. Eventually got it in a pretty good spot. Eventually he left it. He made this huge, I mean, massive pile, 10, 15-foot pile of snow in the middle of our cul-de-sac, lived at the end of the cul-de-sac. And then he parked the thing on somebody's yard, and then he left, and it just sat there for a while till the snow cleared up. And it was such a big pile of snow. If you were here around that year, you remember, man, it took a long time for that snow to melt. I mean, it was all the way like April, May before that thing finally melted. Ours happened to be built. He built this big snow pile on top of a storm drain, so it was kind of our cul-de-sac was kind of a flooded mess and. I mean, it's, this was late. It was late April, early May, and we still had snow out there. And I'm sleeping on Saturday night, had gone to bed, got to get up early for church to lead worship. And uh, Rudy is down there just, you know, he's just barking. You know, he has this kind of quiet one he does where he, it's like something's out there, but I don't want to be too obnoxious. So I go down there, and I open the door. I see nothing because it's all blurry. I'm like, dog, it's fine. Go back upstairs, and this dog just keeps barking. Over and over, probably three or four times. Finally, the last time I go down there, I don't know if I put my glasses on or what to go see what had happened. But what had happened was, there was a reason for the noise. What had happened was some teenagers had had like a little Honda Accord, and they had tried to like jump their Honda Accord across the snow pile. But it had gotten high-centered. <laughs> so Rudy's sitting there at the door, just, you know, just the plaintive bark, woof, over and over again, woof. Just wanted me to know these idiots were out there, I guess. I don't really know. <laughs> Eventually, I did. I opened the door. I had to go out with him, let him see what was going on, let him go back in. Got to go back to sleep finally. There was a reason for the noise. I'll tell you this. All the times I went downstairs, all the barking from the dog, my wife did not wake up. She had no idea this happened the next day. It's kind of how it is in our house. <laughs> there was a reason for the noise, though. See, friends, I believe this morning that in this room, on this property, at this church, we are a part of something huge, a part of something important. I've said it many times. I'll keep saying it until I have no more breath. The local church, not just our church, but the local church is the great hope of the world. Technically, of course, it's Jesus that's the great hope of the world. But the church is the best way for the people of our community to find Jesus. There are people who are wondering, what is all the noise about? What's the racket? It might be physical noise or metaphorical noise, but they wonder what's going on here. It might be on Sunday mornings, the music they hear when the doors open. 
It might be the cars always in the parking lot. It might be the sign always out there announcing uh, different events. It might be the inflatables that are out there on the lawn sometimes. The bright lights at the end of October. It might be any of that. But this morning I want to define for us a little. It's God's church, the reason for the noise. The reason that we do what we do. Not just here in this church, but in the church of Jesus as a whole. I, we like to say not just the little C church, but the big C church. Today we're going to be reading through Psalm 98. If you have your Bibles, it's just nine verses. But to me, it paints this really beautiful picture of why we are here every week. Why churches gather. Why churches gather in buildings or tents or underground or in basements, schools, coffee shops, hotels. You name it, a church gathers there. Anywhere they can gather and call on God's name. Why do they do that? Believe the answer is here in, in Psalm uh, chapter 98. Let's read together this morning. Psalm 98, verses 1 through 9. I'm reading to you this morning out of the NIV. It says this I sing to the Lord, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. He has remembered his love and his faithfulness to Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp, the harp and the sound of singing. With trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Shout for joy before the Lord, the King. Let the sea resound and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. Subtitle in your Bible, uh, if you have it in front of you, if you have your app out there, it might say something simple like a psalm, which is what the NIV that I have says, or it could be more descriptive. The NIV, the NLT, both simply say just a psalm. ESV that I know some of you have, it says, make a joyful noise to the Lord. New King James says, a song of praise to the Lord for his salvation and judgment. A little more uh, descriptive and wordy. Either way, within those nine verses, I see three reasons for the noise this morning. First reason for the noise is this. It's in that first verse, because salvation has come. The reason we're here, the reason we make all the noise is because salvation has come. It's the reason for everything we did throughout the week leading up to Christmas. And Sunday morning and Sunday evening. Like we talked about Christmas Eve uh, night, there is good news and there's great joy and it is for all people, not a single person it's not for. Last Sunday morning, one of our, our three points was about joy, capital J-O-Y, two exclamation points. And it connects directly with what we're talking about today. Because one of the ways that we know uh, that there was joy when Jesus was born, we talked about last week, is because everyone was singing. Everyone was singing, right? Mary, mother of Jesus, she was singing. She composed the Magnificat, beautiful song. Elizabeth, 88-year-old mother of John, she sang. Zachariah, 70-year-old father of John, he sang once he got his voice back because he was mute for not believing that his wife was pregnant. The shepherds, they sang on their way back to their flocks. And yes, of course, the angels in heaven sang. See, the reason they were singing is because God did something momentous that day. He sent his son to save mankind from its sins. That day and for every day that would come, 
The reason for the noise that day for all the singing was because salvation had come. And I'll tell you what, friends, it was the same then as it is now. The reason for the noise in our lives is because salvation has come. The same salvation that was there uh, in Bethlehem that day is the same salvation that's here today. I believe we can see in in verse 1 this, that new provision from God brings a new celebration. This is why everyone and everything was singing on that night that Jesus was born. It's because a new way had been made for people to know God. Everything was changing. And when the psalmist, who was David, we think, that wrote this one, what he's commanding us to do here is when God does something in your life, you're to make sure that the world knows about it. When God does something amazing, we're to make sure the world knows. And what I love about the singing everyone did when Jesus was born is that they did not get too far ahead of themselves. The song wasn't about uh, all the challenges they were going to face the next day. It may have been very easy to overthink it in their situation and start to say, you know what? Yeah, a Savior has come. I don't know. The Roman government, pretty tough. These guys can be frustrating. Man, you know, uh, you know, the shepherds may have been walking to themselves. I don't know if Mary and Joseph, I don't know if they have what it takes to raise the Son of God. This could be a little bit too hard on them. That would have been easy to overthink it, say, and think all those things, but they didn't do any of that. They realized something marvelous had happened. They didn't start thinking about the next day. What they did is they sang to God about the marvelous things that were happening in their midst in that moment. It's the same thing that God is calling each of us to do this morning. Whatever God has done in the past 364 days, for example, whatever God has done, celebrate that. Whatever God has done, celebrate that. Maybe if you were to rewind to June, and if you rewind six months, you weren't sure if you were going to survive to see the new year. Now, maybe there was a physical issue that you seriously thought, maybe you didn't even share it with everyone, but there was a physical issue that you thought might take your life. Here you are. Maybe you're someone here and you even thought about something drastic like ending your own life. Seems drastic and serious to say today, but the statistics say that in even a group this size, there's someone here today who's thought about it recently. Maybe that's you, but here you are. Maybe there was no physical issue. Maybe there was just some sort of situation with your finances and you did not see how you were going to make it to the end of the year without some sort of major, major problem. But here you are. Maybe you would have said six months ago, you know what, I'm not even sure if God is real. You were one of the people that's like, you know what, God, if you are real, then prove it to me. But here you are this morning singing the songs. Feeling God's spirit move as Pastor Joey led us in, your love is a song. This morning, friends, the reason for the noise is because God has seen us through to this point. Because he's seen you to this point, to this seat where you are. Our new song, it's not necessarily about tomorrow. Now, tomorrow will come and we will have to deal with it. You can't pretend it's not going to happen. But the new song we sing in our heart is because of what God has just done. And we can even tie our purpose for singing the new song to salvation because of what the second half of verse 1 says. It says right there that God's right hand and holy arm have brought salvation to earth for us. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him, it says. 
You might not realize today that when the Bible talks about God's right hand, it is specifically referring to Jesus most of the time. Jesus goes in the New Testament to sit at God's right hand. We know that. Jesus has become God's strong right hand. He's come to earth, and he has purchased salvation for us. God extended his hand through his son, Jesus. And that pow- the power of that strong right hand, the power of his son, Jesus, in our lives, that's what we're supposed to be making noise about. And the noise we make also comes from what verse 2 says, and that is, through Jesus, God announced his victory to the world. I think I have it on the screen for you. I love the way New Living Translation phrases verse 2. It says just that. The Lord has announced his victory and has revealed his righteousness to every nation. You see, by sending his strong right hand, Jesus himself, to earth, God, what he was doing was he was announcing the outcome for the battle for our heart. It's been decided. It's been a battle throughout eternity. God has decided the outcome. I guess it could be similar to something like checkmate in chess. Uh, I have to admit, I'm not much of a chess player. But I do know the object of the game in chess is to capture the opponent's king. And if the person on the other side of the board, what do they say? They say checkmate. That means there's no possible way for you to win. When they say checkmate, they have announced the game is over. And in announcing the coming of Jesus to earth, this is what God has done over all creation. He's spoken to the enemy, he's spoken to Satan himself, and he has said, listen, game's over. The battle's already won. And God is saying to us and anyone else or anything else that can hear, the battle over sin is won. The thing that we face, that we battle, the battle over sin is won. It's up to us as people on earth to accept and participate in the victory but the battle's won. We can sing of salvation this morning because God has won the victory for us by extending his victorious right hand. This morning we also see the reason for the noise is number two, God did not forget. God did not forget. Look with me just uh, at verse three really quickly. Look what it says there. He has remembered his love and his faithfulness to Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. What a powerful thought about God this is. Some of the most moving times in our lives as humans is when we are fairly certain that someone has forgotten us. Or maybe forgotten something important. But in time we find out, wait, they didn't forget, they actually remembered I think we find with our human hearts and our human minds that we remember the things that are the most important to us. And our minds, of course, unlike God's, our minds are finite. They only have so much capacity to remember. Although some are better than others, my wife's memory has much more capacity to remember lots of stuff than mine does. But I, just like you, I remember the stuff that's important to me. Like I remember the stuff that's important to me. I remember what time the Steelers-Seahawks game is today, 205. Just saying. We all have important relationships in our life. And there are things we remember that show those people in our lives that, hey, this stuff is important to us. For some people, for maybe a lot of you here, remembering of birthdays or anniversaries or something like that, extremely important. 
Important days to remember. Now, not only the remembering, but the making much of the event. It's not enough to say, hey, I remember today is the day. But you make a big deal out of it. There are some for whom it's not even celebrating a birthday, but a birth month. The birthday may be December 15th, but the celebration starts on December 1st. And it goes until December 31st. Tasty is one of these people, I hear it. We may or may not have a daughter in our life who, uh, that, is un- that is born, who's 27, who uh, September is her birthday month. If it's your birthday month, right, you're not only choosing the place to eat on your birthday, you're choosing it for the entire month. Hey, it's my birthday was 10 days ago. I'm choosing tonight. All of us know those people. Maybe we are those people. If you are, that's awesome. Now, there are others who are not as worried about the day. doesn't mean much to remember a specific day. But it sure means a lot to remember a task. Helps them know they remember. Means something to them. My wife, this is how she is. When I remember certain tasks that are important to her, this makes her feel like she is close to my heart. Tell you what, until I got married to my wife, I had never met a person who could fill a trash can as fast as my wife can fill a trash can. I don't understand it. Like when I live by myself, I could go weeks at a time without having to empty my big trash can. It's fine. But just, especially on the weekends, man, it's every day. The thing gets full of just random stuff. Got to take it out all the time. And the thing is, uh, if I just notice, if I just remember, I open the door to the pantry where the trash can is, and I see that it's full, and I pop the lid off, and I take it out, tie up the bag, take it out, put the bag back in. That's a key part. She does not like it. If I do not remember to put another bag in there. If I do all of that stuff and she does not have to say, hey, the trash is empty. Man, that makes her feel remembered. Makes her feel so important. Makes her feel like the things that matter to her matter to me. Point is, for all of us, there is something that will make us say, ah, you remembered. Might not be a birthday anniversary, but there's something that will make us say, ah, you remembered. The Israelites... Throughout the Old Testament, if you go read it, they asked over and over for their God to remember them throughout their time, their captivity and exile. Remember us, O God. Around 470 years between their time in Egypt and their time wandering in the wilderness before they got to the promised land. And the reason the Israelites are making all this noise is because their God did not forget them. Even through some of the crazy things the Israelites said, even through the golden calf, Moses is up getting the Ten Commandments from God. They get nervous and they build themselves a golden calf to worship. Even through that, God did not forget them. Even through when they're wandering in the wilderness and there is a pillar of fire in front of them showing them God's presence and they, they're telling Moses, please take us back to Egypt so we can be slaves. The food was better there. Even through over and over again, blatant disobedience of God's commands. Through all of that, God did not forsake them, but he remembered. And it's really a big, majestic concept for us to think of sitting here today, right? After 430 years, God did not forget them. That's awesome. But from then to us, that's thousands of years. So what does it mean for us sitting here today? I was thinking about it, and in our case, God does something with us that is impossible for us to do for ourselves or for anyone else. You see, if someone offends us, hurts us in some way, we may forgive them. Hopefully we forgive them. In fact, it's biblical that we do. God commands us to. 
We forgive, but just about all humans, we do not forget. And that's even biblical, right? You forgive, but you practice wisdom as you move forward in your life. Even if there is 100% absolution, forgiveness, everything is good on both sides, the offense is not forgotten. The event is not forgotten. And when we see the person, or we remember the situation, or we're in a similar situation, we remember the hurt and the pain. I'm no, I know I'm not the only one who walks through that. You drive by a certain intersection, you hear a certain song, smell a certain smell. I don't know. That doesn't work for me because I can't smell hardly anything. But something reminds you. Even if it's a long, healed wound, it remains. Here's the amazing thing, what God does for us. The thing that God does for us is somehow God throws our sins into the sea of forgetfulness, but he does not forget us. Listen to this. God, he remembers us, but he does not remember our mistakes. Somehow God remembers me. He remembers John, but he does not remember all the stupid stuff I've done. You know why? It's Micah chapter 7, verse 19. It says this, you will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all, all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. Throws our sins into the sea of forgetfulness. He does not forget us. You see, the depths of the sea, for the people who wrote this down, they would have been unreachable. Back in these days, they could only go as deep as they could hold their breath. Even in 2023, almost 2024, for all of our innovation, our advancement, the depths of the sea, it's the most unreachable place there is. We can exist in space for months or years. Got people in the space station for months at a time. But we can exist just for minutes in the deepest ocean. It's the most unreachable place there is. So not only does God remember us, but he throws away all the worst parts to somewhere that is unreachable. And he remembers only the best. That's something that a human cannot do. Only the living God can do. And you might be asking, well, how does God do that? I believe the beginning of verse 3 holds that answer for us. And the answer is in what God does remember. Verse 3, he has remembered his love and his faithfulness to Israel. His love and his faithfulness. It's written to the Israelites, but it applies to us as well. Because God does not remember our achievements, but he remembers his love and his faithfulness. To understand this this morning, friends, no matter where you've done, where, where you've been, what you've done, be assured that God has not forgotten you. He remembers. The reason for the noise is because God did not forget. And just how we make the noise about God not forgetting, about God remembering us, it's contained in these next few verses. Notice that word that's used uh, in verse, let's read verses four through six actually together. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of singing, with trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Shout for joy before the Lord, the King. Notice that word that's used in verse 4, shout for joy. Now, it might not surprise you as we make our way through this that this psalm actually is what inspired the song, Joy to the World. Author read this psalm, went and wrote that song. 
Because our response to God's remembering is joy. We've even got this really detailed description of how they express their abounding, endless joy. They express it, it says right here in these three verses, they express it with music. Just like Mary did, just like the shepherds did, just like uh, Zachariah and Elizabeth did. They express it with music. Uh, Here it says, with the harp, with singing, with trumpets, with the ram's horn. And to us, those just sound like instruments for the most part, some of them ancient instruments, the ram's horn, you know. But I think what we should understand is that this was both the most beautiful and the loudest they knew how to be. Loudest instruments they could think of and the most beautiful singing they could think of. If you have ever heard a harp in person, it's absolutely stunning if the person actually knows how to play it. Not particularly loud, but it's unbelievable. I, was, I used to work this show uh, when I did AV, and uh, I would record this big symphony. And one of the years, they had an actual harp. And we stuck a microphone on it. And what I did is record it to mix it later for uh, a CD we would give to this choir. It's like a 200-person choir and orchestra. And I'll never forget, uh, because I just track it, make sure everything works. Uh, All the channels are working, and I go do all the work later on. And I'm listening to it in headphones, and I hear this sound. I'm like, what is that? There's a button you can push to make it so you can only hear one specific channel. And it was the harp. It was so beautiful. I just wanted to mute everything else and have just a harp solo for the whole song. Even the loudest singing would have trouble competing with the trumpets and the ram's horn unless there was a lot of people singing and playing. This was the most beautiful, the loudest they knew how to be. But I'm sure you're getting the idea. It was not either or. It was both. It was everything that was their best. That's what they did. And the reason they did it was not because of what... They had done, not because of the beautiful song they could sing, they did it because God had remembered them. And that's why we sing this morning. That's the reason for the noise, because God has remembered us. Not only has he remembered us, he has thrown our sins into the sea of forgetfulness. Because he has done that, we are to praise him with our best and our loudest. That's why we do what we are doing this morning We didn't do it all today, a little different day, but guitars and drums and pianos and speakers and soundboards and microphones and lights, all of that stuff, it's the most beautiful way we can think of to do it. Whatever is the best, most beautiful, even somewhat loud way to do it, that's what we're going to do. We're going to have J-O-Y, capital letters, two exclamation points, because of salvation that God has brought, because he has remembered us, but not the worst parts. I realize there's lots of different ways to express uh, joy and praise to God. There's different songs. There's different instruments. There's different volumes, old songs, new songs, quiet songs, loud songs. And I believe going down too far down that road is actually missing the point because what we're doing, what all of us are called to do, is bring the best we can with what we have. And the reason for the noise is what we have to keep in the front of our minds at all times. It's not because of our ability our physical appearance, our size, our skill, or our achievement. The reason for the noise is because of his love and his faithfulness. It has nothing to do with John's love and John's faithfulness, everything to do with God's love and God's faithfulness. Final reason for the noise this morning, we're almost done, is uh, number three. Everything will come into alignment under God's mighty hand. Everything. This is what we read about in these last few verses. Look at them once more. 
Let the sea resound and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. What we have written down here is everything that the psalmist can think of. Every single thing he can think of, he's writing down in these verses. He says, the sea itself and everything in it, it will come into alignment under, into alignment under God's hand. Now, the sea itself, this would have been an undefinable amount of beings to David. And it still is to us. We cannot define how many organisms are in the sea. It says the world and all who live in it. It's so key in here that it says all who live in it. It doesn't say all the people who live in it except the ones with the most power. God will not bring them under alignment. It says all who live in it. I have news for you today, friends. This includes those who are willingly serving God and those who are not. God will bring it all into alignment. Something that we see right outside our very doors, if we, it's because we live in Boise, Idaho, we see the rivers and the mountains. You walk out here, you see the mountains, you don't have to go far to get to the Boise River, but those things, they work together to exalt the Creator. What the psalmist is trying to communicate here is that everything that they can physically define, everything they can put their finger on, it's under God's hand. And it meant something, I think, a little different to David than it does to us, simply because we can see and know more than he saw and knew. We have a better picture of the world. But the principle remains the same. All of the living creatures, sea or land, it will come on into alignment under God's hand. To David, that was what he could observe with his eyes. He didn't have a camera, any way to see beyond what his eyes could see. For us... As much as we can see, friends, what we can see even with the most powerful microscopes. Everything that's going on right now that we can't see with our human eyes, God will bring all of that into alignment. All of the definable features to David meant the mountains and the sea that he could put his eyes on. For us, this includes even the farthest reaches of space that we can only reach with the most powerful telescopes. All of that stuff will fall under God's mighty hand. And here is the best part, I think. Even all of the people. Even all of the people. I believe, actually, when it comes to the people, this is where we have the most in common with David and what he saw. Because if you read the Psalms, David does not shy away from lamenting about the way other people are acting. He does not shy away from saying, God, I do not like that person, and I would appreciate it if you would judge them. But as we prepare to go into a new year, I think this uh, last line of Psalm 98, it holds so much power for us if we can understand it as God's people. Verse 9, he will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. The world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. I don't know about you, but for me, it's actually a little easier to believe that God will bring nature into alignment than it is the people. The reason is because I've observed and talked to some of the people. <laughs> I've watched the news. <laughs> I know the things that go through my mind. 
And sometimes it seems like it'd be a lot of work for God just to bring me into alignment with him, let alone everybody else. At least I'm trying to serve him, right? What about the people who are not? But I believe we need to understand, friends, and it will help us as we go into the new year. We need to understand that even the things that are out of our control, they fall under God's authority. I'm sure it's not lost on you that in 2024, we're heading into an election year. I don't know how it's going to go, but I do remember the last one. There's a few things I can tell you absolutely 100% for sure. I can tell you for sure it's going to be contentious. Someone's going to want to argue with you. If not in person, then online. Why is it going to be contentious? That's because there's humans with power involved. Anytime there's humans and anytime there's power, there's going to be arguing. I can also tell you this, that when everything seems lost, God still does not forget. Man, when you go home and you turn on the news and it seems like everything is on fire, God does not forget. And you know why God does not forget? It's not because we do or do not get the right person voted in or out. We read it before. What's it because of? Because of his love and his faithfulness. So when it gets crazy this year, not if it gets crazy, friends, when it gets crazy, I would encourage you, stand on God's love and faithfulness rather than anything else. Doesn't mean you don't have things you believe in, that you don't go vote when you're asked to vote. We do all of that stuff as believers, but we stand on God's love and faithfulness, not anything else. We can do that because God will judge all the people, including you and I. And he'll do it with equity. That's what the Word of God says. I know, too, that there's a lot of stuff in your life, much like in my life, that it can keep you awake at night. Your family and your finances and your health or the health of your loved ones. This morning, all of that falls under the mighty hand of God. You get... Um, should bow your heads and close your eyes. We're going to be done in a moment. Though most of you in this place, you know the Lord. You've accepted him before. Maybe this morning you are a little bit like the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. One of my favorite stories in the entire Bible. This was after Jesus had risen from the dead, but the disciples, they did not know it. They hadn't seen Jesus yet. What they had had is they just had had this incredible three years with Jesus only to see it quickly come crashing down around them as he was crucified in front of them. In Luke 24, I love it, it says that they were walking and they were discussing all that Jesus had done. And Jesus comes to them on the road, but they don't recognize him. Instead, Luke 24, 17, it says they stood still, their faces downcast. They had not lost their love for Jesus, but their hope and everything that was good and right had taken a hit. You go read that story in verse 21. It even says, we had hoped. We had hoped this was the one. Of course, if we keep reading the story, we see eventually they recognize who it is. They're speaking to you and their hope is restored. Just mention that today because maybe today you're here and you're fighting the good fight. Your love for Jesus has not diminished, but hope seems harder to find given your current circumstances. Just want to encourage you today, friends, just between your heart and God, the reason you can still sing is 
because of the love and faithfulness of God. Even if it's a little harder to have hope, you can sing because of his love and faithfulness. I want to assure you, I can assure you because it's in the word of God, restoration is coming because of God's love and faithfulness. This morning, friends, everything, land and sea, deepest reaches of space, the deepest oceans, all of it falls under the mighty hand of God. And the reason for the noise in spite of everything is because of the strong right hand of God that has come to bring us salvation. Even if you feel in your heart like you're not at rest, we can, we can rest today knowing that if we accept salvation from Jesus, it will be made right in heaven. This morning, I'm just going to ask Pastor Joey to continue to play quietly like this. And uh, a couple of things. If you're here today and you've never accepted uh, Jesus as your Savior, you've never accepted that strong right hand of salvation, I just encourage you, between you and God, just to whisper a prayer to him today. Say, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Make me a new person. I accept you. I accept your salvation. I encourage you, if you never have or if you need to again, to do that. But I know most of you have, and for you, I would encourage you, if you, uh, if it seems like it's been hard to find any hope, if you're like the disciples walking on the road and you are thinking, well, we had hoped. We had hoped. I'm just to encourage you to reflect on what God is speaking, what he has done, what he is calling you to. Just ask him to spark that hope inside of you today. Just take a moment and do that before we pray and finish today. Lord, I'm so grateful for who you are. You are the God that heals. You are the God that delivers. You are the God who sent your son Jesus as your strong right hand. You did it for the salvation of the world, even down to me on this day, every person in this place. Lord, I pray over those who maybe in this room have whispered a prayer to you, and they have said, God, if you are real, if you are real, then move in my life. Show me that you are. I pray that you would, Lord. I pray for those, God, a lot of the people in this room that have been serving you faithfully for a long time. Uh, God, I pray that you would restore their hope uh, that there is good coming. Lord, if it was a hard year, if it was a good year, somewhere in between, Lord, I pray that you would give them hope in their heart for what you have ahead of them in this next year. Lord, the things you've spoken to us today, I pray that you would seal them in our hearts. Lord, I pray that above and below everything else, that it would be your love and your faithfulness that guide us. Thank you that uh, you never leave us or forsake us. Thank you that you have thrown my sins into the sea of forgetfulness, and you remember only the good stuff, and you throw away the worst parts. I can't fathom, Lord, how you do that, but your word promises you do. I thank you for it pray you would impress the gravity of that upon us this morning as your church and your people. Lord, I pray you would call us to new things. Lord, for those in this room who need their hope restored, I pray you would do it in this moment. Lord, thank you for this day, this 364th or 5th day of 2023. I pray that you would speak into your people. Let them go with your grace and your mercy and your compassion today. We pray these things in your name. Amen.
Amen. Friends, thanks for coming to church today. Thanks for singing as we sang earlier. Thanks for being a part of this church. If you miss someone today that's usually here, tell them you should have come to church on New Year's Eve, you slacker. Don't call them a slacker, but tell them you missed them. And uh, we can't wait to see you Wednesday night, becoming disciples and making disciples. And uh, we'll see you next Sunday. Have a great evening and be good tonight. Don't be silly. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more, you can visit us at engageboise.com. Have an amazing day.